listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. All right, you may be seated. And as you're doing that, I would ask you, uh, if you're on the far left-hand side of your row, if you'd reach down, you'll find a little black notebook. We'd love you to fill that out. Let us know that you're here, how we can be praying for you. Uh, that would be amazing. My name is Clint. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I want to add my welcome to you this morning. We're so glad you're here. And hey, I know it's hot. We got an air conditioner out this morning. Uh, but you know what? Those bulletins, they make great fans, okay? And here's the deal, guys. God's Word is worth it. So we're going to keep on trucking. And uh, every, little, every time you feel the sweat, you got to wipe it off your brow. Man, great opportunity. Think about our brothers and sisters in places like Uganda that we just have a team, had a team go to. South America, even a lot of places here in the United States of America. Man, they've never gone to a church with air conditioning. And so we're so privileged. Great time to think about a lot of our brothers and sisters. On June 13th in 1994, not far from here, in San Antonio, Texas, actually, a young boy, a 13-year-old boy named Nicholas Barclay went missing. He was last seen coming home from playing basketball. And man, parents' worst nightmare. He vanishes without a trace. And all the authorities, cops, police, they looked everywhere they could, no sign of him. That was until three years later, three years later, y'all, in a small village in Spain, some tourists spot a boy that seems out of place, is distraught, he's crying, and they go check on him, they call the authorities, the authorities do some investigation, and they determine that this boy in Spain is the very same Nicholas Barclay that disappeared from San Antonio, Texas, three years earlier. And so, you know, you can imagine what kind of reunion that must have been. They bring him home, he's reunited with his family, and slowly but surely, life gets back to normal for the next five months, until... A lone private investigator had kind of been following the case, and something just didn't seem right to him. So on his own, of his own initiative, at his own cost, he investigated this case. And after some digging, he came to figure out, y'all, that this, this boy was not, in fact, Nicholas Barclay at all. In fact, y'all, he wasn't even a boy. He was a man. He was a 26-year-old man. And he wasn't even an American. He was a 26-year-old Frenchman named Frédéric Baudon. I don't know if you say it. Maybe so. Got to say it with a little flair. This guy was known by Interpol, believed to have, been, have stolen as many as 500 different identities. And y'all, for five months, he managed to make the San Antonio police, the FBI, even Nicholas's own family believe that he was Nicholas Barclay. But y'all, he wasn't. It was all an act. It was all a performance. But what a performance, right? I mean, wow. Well, y'all, our passage today is telling us that you and I often can try to put on such a performance. Where we try to be someone on the outside that maybe we're not on the inside. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6. We're going to be in Matthew 6, verse 1 through 4. Uh, you can turn there in your Bible. You can unlock it on your phone. But if you don't have either of those, we will put the verses on the screen. And y'all hear Jesus has a warning for us. He's warning us about the act, the performance of religious hypocrisy. And he's going to warn us about its presence in our life. He's going to show us the tragic results. And then he's going to give us the solution. 
Let's read. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, a little context here. This passage is from the Sermon on the Mount. Probably the most popular sermon given in all of history. And y'all, the Sermon on the Mount is all about true righteousness. What is true righteousness? And Jesus says it is an inward reality that produces outward action. It is both of those. And so he'll say things like, hey, you have heard do not murder. And that's true. That's the outward action. That's sin. I tell you, don't hate your brother. That's the inward reality. And so true righteousness contains both of those. And in that order, an inward reality that produces an outward righteousness. Throughout this sermon, in fact, this is the the introduction of a section where he's talking about all of our acts of righteousness. So he starts talking about all these actions that we do. And he's going to talk about things like prayer, things like fasting. And this one in particular, he's talking about giving. And some translations use the word almsgiving. And automatically we think what? Money, cha-ching, finances, right? Well, it included finances, yes, but it was a a larger word than that. Uh, It included anything you could do to serve someone in need. So health care back then was considered almsgiving. Acts of service were considered almsgiving. Uh, The parable of the Great Samaritan, everything that Samaritan did was almsgiving. You know, he gave the guy clothes. He bound his wounds. He gave him a place to stay. He gave him food. All of that is in view in what Jesus is talking about here. The first thing Jesus wants to know about this and all of these acts of righteousness is they can be, all of our religious hypocrisy can be quite literally an act, a performance. In verse 2, he says, hey, don't do it like the hypocrites do. And y'all, that word hypocrites is literally the word for an actor on stage. He's saying don't do it like the actors do. And if you think about it, that makes sense. You know, actors whole job, the whole point of an actor is to appear to be something he isn't, right? As convincingly as possible. In fact, the more an actor can convince you that he is something he's really not, the better the actor is. So y'all say, I took up acting, you know, and I'm in a couple plays. Thank you for already laughing at that. You know, let's say first play, I just play like like a chubby bearded guy from Louisiana with no sense of style. And I do a good job. Well, y'all, that's not acting, okay? That's just me being me in front of other people. That's all that is. Let's say the next play, though, I am uh, playing Tom Brady, and I pull it off. Man, I ought to be winning an Oscar for that, right? Why? Because I'm convincing, I'm convincingly pretending to be someone who is far different than who I truly am. And in that way, our religious hypocrisy, y'all, it's an act. It's a performance. He points out a couple ways Jesus does, specifically that we're like actors on a stage sometimes. First, he says an actor carefully choreographs. Each movement, everything he does, an actor carefully choreographs. And he uses a little bit of humor to describe this. In verse 2, he tells them, hey, when you give, sound no trumpets. Well, y'all, back then, they didn't have a trumpet sitting next to the offering plate, okay? 
And the ushers didn't go and pass two things, the offering plate and a trumpet. There was no trumpet there for you to blow. They would have had to work really hard to find one, okay? But they did use trumpets, often in the Old Testament, and even in, in a few occasions in the temple worship. A trumpet was used to summon all the people into the temple. And so you can go read in the Old Testament, there are several times, you know, God had spoken to Moses, speak to the people, and so they blow the trumpet, everybody comes, there are a few feasts they would do this, the high priest would blow the trumpet, and that means, hey, it's time, everybody come into the temple. And even in Revelation, you read about Jesus' second coming, it often refers to that last trumpet that will blow. A trumpet will blow again, for the last time God will gather his people together. So that's what a trumpet meant back then, and of course, they didn't have trumpets next to the offering plate, but you know what they did have? They had metal coins and metal or stone offering plates. Made a nice little noise, right? And so here's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, listen, when you give, you carefully choreograph it. You can almost picture the guy, you know, walking up, holding it at just the right height. You do it too high, you get like a ladder or something and want to drop it. That's way too obvious. You can't do that. But holding it just the right height, waiting until just the right people walk by, just the right time to drop that so they hear that cling, cling. And Jesus is saying, listen, when you're doing that, it's like you're blowing the trumpet, wanting the 12 tribes of Israel to all come and gather and turn and see what a generous, wonderful, awesome guy you are. That's what you're like in your giving and how you carefully choreograph it. Second thing he points out is an actor's purpose. The purpose of being an actor is applause. In verse 1, he says, listen, man, don't use your generosity in order to be seen. In verse 2, he says, don't use it in order to receive praise from others. And think about it, y'all. An actor may spend hours and hours and hours of work, practice behind the scenes. But what's the purpose? The purpose is to get ready for what? When there's an audience, when they can be seen. And you know what? The actor's greatest success is, it's when the applause is the greatest. It's when that curtain goes down and there's a standing ovation and there's calls for encore. That's what all the work is for. That's the whole purpose. And y'all, Jesus is saying here, listen, man, the purposes of an actor, the purpose to be seen, the purpose to be praised, it is completely incompatible with God's purposes for your generosity. What are God's purposes? Well, I mean, really, scripturally, three things, and we just got to hit these quickly. This is a whole other sermon. Three things. The Bible says, man, our generosity is to bless others. Galatians 6.10 says, then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. The Bible says, man, even your enemies, bless them. Bless and do not curse. That's the purpose. Another purpose is to bring us into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. He says in Matthew 16, listen, you want to save your life, you'll lose it. You'll never find it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. In the context of the verse, he's saying you will get me and you will receive me. So they're bringing us into a closer relationship with him. And finally, it's to glorify him. That's what he says at the beginning of the sermon in Matthew 5, 16. He says, listen, let people see your good deeds so that they'll glorify your Father in heaven, so that I'll receive the praise. And listen, That's a religious hypocrite, an an actor. He's the one that sets aside all those purposes, and instead, hey, it's all about me. I want to be seen, and I want to be praised. You know, you may say, what's the big deal? Listen, we all kind of have ulterior motives sometimes, don't we? Hey, and as long as I'm here, as long as I'm giving, as long as I'm serving, as long as I'm doing the right thing, man, what's the big deal? 
Come on. Well, y'all, Jesus is warning that the consequences of this act, this performance, y'all, they're tragic. They just are. And this next section ought to give you pause. It's startling. You know what happens when we give in order to just be applauded and patted on the back? You know what happens? It works. It works. He says in verse 2, they have received their reward. No lightning bolt, no smiting. You don't get turned into a newt. In fact, you actually get noticed and you get that praise you were looking for. But, and here's the tragic part. That's all you get. That's it. Y'all, sometimes the worst thing God can do to us is give us exactly what we ask for. And Jesus is using transactional language here. He, he's using a word that referred to like a paid in full stamp. So you can imagine back then, they didn't, certainly didn't have electronic records. They didn't really have paper records. You, when you bought something, there was no receipt. You know, it'd take a long time to chisel all those out of stone or whatever. And so what they did was they had like a stamp. It was like a paid in full stamp. And so if I wanted to prove, no, this is mine. I paid for it. I own it outright. You would stamp it paid in full. You know, this is what Jesus is saying. This is the word he's using. He's saying, you know what? This religious hypocrisy, it's turning your giving, it's turning your generosity into a transaction. So that when you give to be seen and praised, listen, y'all, you are not giving, you're buying. You're buying praise. You're buying attention. And Jesus says, here's your receipt, paid in full. That's all you get. Let me ask you, you do all this to, to get noticed, to get praised? Man, how rewarding is that? How long, how long does that last, do you think? Well, maybe it'll last like a week until the next time the offering plate comes around. You've got to do it again, you know? doesn't last long. Or maybe you give a gift, you, know, you put all this time and attention, you're like, man, I, my, man, my wife's going to love this. She's going she's gonna to be so happy. And you, and you give the gift, and it doesn't get the response you were hoping for. Man, and now you're angry. That, that's not rewarding at all. You know, or until someone else comes along. Man, and they're more generous than you, and they do more than you, and they're seen more than you, so now you've got to step up your game. Or until the person you were hoping would see doesn't see. Have you ever done that thing like at the coffee shop? You know, I'm going to be so nice, I'm going to give a tip, and you, right as you stretch out your arm, the barista like turns away. And you're like, oh, they're not going to see me. Oh, there's a wasted dollar, right? Well, that's not very satisfying. So the reward we actually get, y'all, is fleeting, and it does not last, and it is not satisfying, and we miss out on a reward from God. He says, verse 1, you get no reward from your Father in heaven. You don't get the reward that the Father intended to give you. And what's that reward? Well, y'all, those same three things, the same three purposes of our acts of generosity and giving. Bless others, know Christ, and glorify God. Ask someone who's received those gifts, and they will tell you they are not fleeting, and there's nothing better they will not disappoint you. But y'all, too often, we are too busy looking for praise for ourselves. You know what? In one sense, man, our, our act, our performance, man, it turns giving into buying. You know what? There's another sense, though. We're not giving, and we're not even buying. We're stealing. We're stealing praise that is due our Creator. Listen, y'all, apart from Him, we can do nothing. He has given us everything we have. And when we want people to see us and praise us, man, that is praise that was due our Father. 
It's like this past week when uh, my wife, Melissa, she went to the grocery store. She comes home and, all right, we're going to go help Mama unload the groceries at the grocery store. My little three-year-old Hannah, she goes, oh, I want to help. Man, that's great. You're going to be helpful. All right, come on, Hannah. So we go. We pop open the back of the Swagger Wagon minivan, you know, and there's all the Walmart bags, and she wants to carry one. So I have to look. I have to look for one that doesn't have too much, can't do the carton of milk, can't do the bread, you know, she'll squish it. So I find just the right one. It's a little too heavy, so I've got to take a couple things out of it. Okay, now it's ready for her. Now I've got to grab both handles and hand them to her, you know, just like this. Two hands, great. She carries it, walks into the kitchen. Well, our little island is too tall for her, so now I've got to get it from her and put it back on the island. You know what, after that, yeah, me and Melissa, we want to we encourage that, so we tell her, oh, thank you so much, that was so helpful. Well, y'all, what happens so easily. Hannah starts thinking, I am pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, you should thank me. Yeah, mama couldn't have done this without me. I'm like the most helpful three-year-old in the world. Well, it's like pump the brakes, little girl, okay? In order for you to help, I had to do a lot of like helping you help me for you to be helpful, right? Y'all, this is us. We want to pat on the back and we want to steal praise from God. How arrogant are we sometimes to steal praise from our Father? So our generous lives, they were, man, they're meant to bless. They're meant to help us know Him and glorify God. And instead, so often, y'all, we use them as an act to buy praise from men and steal it from God. So what's the solution? What do we do? Jesus gives us a solution. He says the solution to religious hypocrisy, and this is surprising, y'all, is unconsciousness. It's unconsciousness. It's not to stop giving. In verse 1, he says, when you give, so you need to be giving, you need to be serving, you need to be living generously. He says this thing in verse 4, let your giving be in secret. And he's going to use that word a lot in chapter 6, in secret, in secret. But you have to be careful about how you interpret that. Uh, you could take and say, hey, then I'm just going to go live in a cave Never be seen by anyone, and then me and God are good. Well, that doesn't make sense, because God starts off the passage saying, you are the light of the world. No one takes a light and hides it. You were meant to be seen. Plus, y'all, can't we just turn that into the same transactional uh, attitude with God, right? Okay, so if I do this, and nobody sees it, I do it, and I do it just the right way, two plus two equals four, I get my reward. That's not what he's talking about. In verse 3, he says this thing. He says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Now, y'all, if you're like me, you read that, and your interpretation of that is, huh, what? But what does that mean? That sounds like a weird word puzzle, that, and I hate word puzzles, okay? Well, probably the best way to illustrate this is by talking about the opposite. Think about the extreme self-consciousness an actor has to have. I listened to an interview with an actor one time who said, I can't for the life of me remember who it was, uh, but he said you know, that when, he's, when he gets a new character, the first thing he does is give that character a walk. He learns to walk in a new way, he, the way he thinks that character would walk. Think about how hyper-aware of all your fingers, toes, feet, hands, arms you have to be to learn to walk differently. Y'all, our core issue is that we are like that actor. We are always hyper-aware of ourselves. And Jesus is saying we need to be the exact opposite. He's saying we need to be completely unaware of ourselves, so unselfconscious, unchoreographed, 
so much so that the right hand doesn't even know what the left hand is doing. You have to learn to tune yourself out. Now, y'all hear some husbands may, you know, from time to time do this thing where maybe their wife is talking to them and, you know, they're real close. Uh, They can hear the noises. They are right there. They're looking at her. But two seconds later, they have no idea what their wife said. Again, allegedly that happens. I don't know. They tune her out. You have to tune yourself out. You have to opt out, y'all, of this constant conversation in your head about what it is earning you or not earning you, who is watching or who is not watching, how you look or how you don't look. You simply be, stop being part of the equation. Another way the Bible puts this is you have to die to yourself. It's not about you. It's just not. It's about loving others and loving God. You know, God has put me in a position where I get to ask people quite often to do something or give something or or serve in some way. I've done this over and over again. So guess what, y'all? I know what you say. I know what people say. I certainly know what I say, and I know what you say too. And so let's take, for example, over we got these banners up. Over here, the one closest to me is elementary. Y'all, on four Sundays for second hour, we have a bunch of elementary kids showing up, and we don't have a single person to teach them about Jesus, who has signed up to love that kid and build a relationship with that kid. And so I could come to you and I could say, hey, we have this need. Will you do this? Will you serve? Usually it goes one of two ways. Option A, I'm not a kid person. Or I don't know how to teach. Or I'm not very good at that. Or I'm I'm busy. That doesn't fit into my schedule. There's option A and that person is not going to sign up. Here's option B. Man, I would love to do that. I would be great at that. That would fit great in my schedule. That, I, I, I really want to do that. Y'all, you see what we do? Whether we sign up or we don't, we've taken an opportunity to serve others and glorify God, and we've made it all about ourselves. Don't we do that? Man, does it fit me? Is it good for me? Is it in my strengths finder? Is it in my personality? And man, here goes the me monster. All about me. When Jesus says you have to give in secret, the primary person you have to keep it secret from is often yourself. For you are not the main filter everything goes through. So when you, if you do step into role, and we hope you do step into role, it's not about me. It's just not. And y'all, here's the truth. Here's why this message is so important. We live in a world, in a culture, where it is getting more and more difficult to be self-forgetful. If I'm honest, y'all, Pharisees actually had it pretty tough. I mean, back then, people were pretty particular about how you did your acts of righteousness. So if you're going to put on a performance that's going to impress anybody, I mean, we're talking like Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep level performance. You got to bring your A game. Y'all, what if you lived in a world where it just wasn't that hard? You know, you didn't have to like, go into the temple and time it just right when the things and all the people around. I mean, what if just from the comfort of your own home, you could sound your own trumpet? And not just the people right in the streets and the synagogues next to you, to all of your family, all of your friends and their friends and their friends, and then this whole lot of people that you've never even met. And what if it didn't take any actual acts of righteousness? Like, you didn't even have to do anything. All it took, 140 characters or less, or just the right picture and just the right hashtag. 
And then imagine if we could, could quantify your applause. We could tell you in real time how many people are looking at you, applauding you, liking you, telling their friends about you. We can tell, it, tell, tell you all of that anytime you want to. Man, guys, this thing makes a heck of a trumpet, doesn't it? Man, I can use this to broadcast myself in ways the Pharisees never dreamed. You know what? And what if these existed in a culture that didn't call it self-promotion, called it, but called it brand building, marketing, right? You've heard these terms. You know, y'all, it wasn't that long ago, like my parents' generation, you know, this kind of self-promotion, it was a derogatory term. If you were seen as self-promoting, that was a bad label. You did not want that label. Y'all, in many parts of our world right now, it is a qualification for ministry. You may not know this. If you, let's say you decide you want to plant a church right now. There are many church planting networks that tell you, man, that's awesome. That's great. Let me tell you, your job as the pastor, here's your job, is to be the CEO slash celebrity of that church. And your whole job is to build and promote and market that brand. And so, listen, I mean, I hope you say some good stuff. I hope you do some good stuff. But, man, what is just as important as that is everything you say and everything you do has to be shaped, produced to match that brand. And that's how you grow a church. And notice what happens. What becomes more important than what you do and even the person that you are is how you communicate, promote, spin, and broadcast it. That's the world we live in, y'all. It's true. And listen, let me be very clear. I am not saying don't get on social media. I'm saying whether you're on social media or not, realize that your heart is prone to perform in order to receive praise. And you live in a world that is all too eager to give you all the tools you need to do it and pat you on the back while you do it. That's the culture we live in. And here... Jesus is, men and women, saying it's toxic to your soul. Don't make it all about you. The only way to make this all, all the stuff we do here, not just a performance directed by you, starring you, written by you, is to completely forget yourself. It's to become totally unaware and unconscious of yourself. It is to die to yourself. So let me ask you this morning, is any of that performance mentality in you? You dig into your heart and look into your heart, do you find some of it there? You find yourself craving praise, hoping someone will notice, angry for not getting the credit you deserve? Listen, of course you do. I do. Man, after the fall, this is in all of us. So what do we do? How do we get to the place Jesus is talking about? True righteousness. Inward reality that produces these outward actions. Well, listen, y'all. Here's the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount. The whole point of the Bible is that type of righteousness. Listen, that type of righteousness will never come from you, but it can be in you. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, listen, let me be clear. Be perfect, okay? That's what I'm saying. Be perfect. And we hear that. We're supposed to say, uh-oh, that's not me. That's why he says, in Matthew 5, 17, he says, listen, don't worry, guys. I fulfilled the whole law. Each and every bit of it, I did it. I fulfilled it. And y'all, that makes sense. Think about it. Everything God is calling us to be in this passage wasn't Jesus those things. He didn't promote himself. He humbled himself. 
Philippians 2 says he humbled himself to the point of death. I love the way the King James Version says it. He says, it says, Jesus made himself a man of no reputation. Man, that's what it means to not, not have, your, have your left hand not know what your right hand is doing. Man, his reputation wasn't even a blip on his radar. He didn't seek the praise of men. Go read John 8. He says, first of all, I don't seek my own glory. And if I did, I wouldn't seek it from men. So what did he do? He sought the Father's will. John 6, 38. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Y'all, even when he was faced with torture and death in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, but Father, not my will, but yours be done. He was everything God's calling us to be. Y'all, and here is the miracle of the gospel. All of our sin, all of our hypocrisy doesn't get counted towards us. All of his true, full righteousness gets credited towards us. Galatians 2.20. Paul says this, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Y'all, Paul is saying, hey, y'all, that old hypocrite, that even the good things he did were really all about him? Man, that guy's dead. He's been crucified with Christ. Man, but that Jesus who is truly righteous, man, now because of him, there is a righteousness that is in me, but it is not from me. Y'all, here's a principle you need to know. Whatever it is that God demands, everything God demands, he provides in full. That is true for your salvation. He provided the payment for your sins. But listen, listen, it is also true for your service, your righteousness, your goodness. He is all of it. And your only hope of being that is if he is living inside of you. Man, you see how that can totally change how we approach an opportunity to give and serve? You know, you can walk up to, to one of these banners or one of these signups or an opportunity to be generous financially or an opportunity to serve in some way, and you can approach it in a totally different way. You know, if it's just us, if it's just about our praise, you know, you, you can look at these and sign up, I don't know, because everyone else is. You know, you don't want to look like the bad guy. Are you making a decision based on what's good for me, what's comfortable for me, which is usually going to be the easiest thing, what I think I would be good at, maybe what even I might get the most respect and the most pats on the back for. And listen, y'all, you can carefully choreograph all of your acts of service and all of your praise so that you can sign up for every team back there and do everything. And it all can be so that you get noticed and you get praised. Or we can go about this a different way. A way that comes with a much greater reward. You can forget yourself because that's what Jesus did and he is in you. And so you know what? Whether it makes me comfortable or uncomfortable, it's not part of the equation. Whether I like it or don't like it, not part of the equation. Whether I be good at it or bad at it, not part of the equation. The only part of the equation, the only part that matters is loving others and loving God. Listen, you know, this is the type of church that me and Mark pray that we can be. And with this Make Room campaign, we are, we are calling you to give. We are all calling you to serve. We are calling you to give your life away. But listen, our prayer is that we will be a church that stands out in this community because we do it not in a self-promoting, brand-building way. Y'all, that's the rest of the world. If we do it different, we will stand out, I promise, because instead of pointing people to ourselves, we will point them to Jesus, who can change their life and save their souls, and he is the one that they need. 
Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.